Welcome to Carry the Fire, a podcast where we explore the big questions of life through the lens of the good, the true, and the beautiful. I'm your host, Dustin Kensrue, and my hope is that through these conversations with people of diverse and divergent backgrounds and beliefs, we can glimpse the world anew through each other's unique perspectives. And um, I, I do believe that if we live in a world where, where people have meaningful lives and they are to a certain extent taken care of with like schools and hospitals mm-hmm. and well, we in Sweden we say the common good. Mm-hmm. I think that that type of world we would much better to live in. I think it would benefit art. Hey everybody. Today on the show we are joined by Dennis Lixon. Dennis is the singer of the legendary and groundbreaking punk band, Refused. We recorded this in the back of our tour bus while our bands were out together recently in Europe. In our conversation, we talk about why Dennis has a bone to pick with capitalism. We discuss his views on the role and responsibility of the artist and the relationship of music to what one might call the soul. We dig into his nuanced feelings about religion in general and much, much more. Let's dive in. Cool. Thank yeah. you so much. I know um, <laughs> One thing I've started asking people uh, as a way to kind of get at a broader picture of the good, the true, and the beautiful is uh, wondering, like, when you were young, what was something that uh, would give you a sense of wonder like about the world? Ooh, that is a good question. I think, I mean, early on, I, I think for me, I mean, music was the thing that made me most excited and mm-hmm. made, made me like um, sort of look at the world and, and uh, try to figure out why stuff was happening. And I mean, you know, like I discovered music uh, early on. And Like and what the, What age were you like really starting to get into <clears throat> music? I was eight years old when uh-huh. John Lennon died. Uh-huh. So I was like, yeah, I saw the photos of, of the Beatles in the newspaper the day after he got shot. And that was my musical awakening, which is a weird thing hmm. for someone to pass and then me to discover. So I, I built, my, my dad had a Beatles record collection. I built Lego guitars and I played, played along you to built the, Lego guitars? They built Lego guitars and oh. I played along to the Beatles songs and miming in my, you know, my parents' living room. And so that, and then, then you know, as you discover music, um, you know, that was my first love. And then David Bowie was... Mm-hmm. The first record I bought was Let's Dance with my, with my own cash, and then that sort of you know opened up the world to these ideas, and and you see that people were very different than 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 you and the the part of the world where I grew up in, you know. Yeah. And do you feel like music is kind of still that same bridge for you of like wonder, or is yeah. there other things that? I mean, I mean, there are other things that. Uh, um, when you travel as much as we do, mm-hmm. I mean, you see a lot of things and you experience a lot of things. But I mean, music is what brought me here. And music still have a tendency to sort of explain the world to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still have that sense of, um, I think maybe to a certain extent, you're 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 chasing that, you're chasing the dragon, you know, like that, that kick you got out of music when you're young. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm the kind of guy that, when we had a day off the other day, I texted the guys like, "Where are we going to show? Like, who wants to go to show with me?" Because mm-hmm. uh, cigarettes after sex were playing in Amsterdam, and everyone's like, "No, we have a day off. Why would we go <laughs> see other bands play?" And I'm like, "That's that's how excited I am about yeah. music." And at home, still, I go to all the shows that happen in town, and so there's a sense of like like um, finding that that feeling it gave you. Mm-hmm. 
but but I mean still to to this day like there's a connection to I have this this theory that uh you have you have this idea about yourself as as the the ideal version of you. Okay. And like there's um, I mean the old Greeks talked about it like you know like when you think about yourself and you then you start thinking like oh next week I'm going to go to the gym mm-hmm. three times and next week I'm going to finish the book you know like yeah. there's there's a there's an ideal version of yourself in your mind mm-hmm. that you're never going to reach because of life. Yeah. But in in um in how I perceive myself and how I view the world I think that Whenever I'm on stage and I'm in it, that is the ideal version of myself. That's mm. as good as I'm going to be as a human being and mm. as connected I will ever be to, you know, the conceptualization of, of a soul. And that's mm-hmm. how I feel in music. And I like mm. every night you want that that feeling of, um, you know, those transcendental, um, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Freedom and and liberation are, are huge themes in your lyrics. Um, yes. I'm curious what those words mean for you uh, in the sense of like freedom and liberation from what and for what. Yes, it's a good question because it's like it's easy when you come from I mean our kind of radical leftist perspective. Mm-hmm. Growing up with punk and growing up with a lot of bands that talked about politics, it's always like I hate the cops and I, you know, you hate mm. this and that. And I think it w- that's an easy um, emotion to tap into. Like, wh- what, what about the world you dislike? Yeah. And then you have to ask yourself because I always thought that uh, for me it was always like, what, why, why am I fighting this fight every day? Mm. And why do I love? And what's what is freedom and what is liberation? I mean, that's that's an insanely reasonable thing to ask yourself. I mean. For me, I think that I think freedom and liberation in a lot of ways is just uh, us being able to live uh, fulfilling lives. Mm-hmm. And I believe that uh, under the sort of uh, economical social structures that we have now, it's it's almost impossible because everything is st- so stacked against us. And so much of our lives are being consumed by um, just producing surplus value for someone else, basically. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and it's also it's of a sort of an expertise society where where yeah some people can be musicians but not everybody and some people mm-hmm. can be poets but I, I believe in in the idea of a world where we can all be poets you know we can all be musicians we can all sort of um, fulfill the the desires that we have um, and I believe that in the the current world that we live in that that's not the case that's not being um, you know, we're not telling people. I mean, there's an idea about, um, you know, self-fulfillment, but we don't really know what that is. Mm-hmm. And mostly it's connected to um, what you own, you know, yeah. what, you, what you make. Well, for uh, a lot of people, they they don't have the time because of their economic situation to do those kinds of things or figure out what that even means. Exactly. And I mean, what 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 is your creative essence, yeah. you know? And, and as you said, people are so in this world where a lot of people have double jobs and then, mm-hmm. you know, to to do to work two jobs just to make your ends meet and then you might have kids and then I mean, there's not a whole lot of time to tap into uh that thing inside you that says, "Okay, this is what I want to do and this mm-hmm. is, these are the creative sort of urges that I have." I'm lucky. I think that it's a weird thing to be in a situation where a lot of our daily lives, I would say, 
is us thinking about existential issues mm-hmm. or thinking about politics and and sort of uh, uh, taking all this information in and try to like you know make it into something that's art in, yeah. in a way but most people never have that time to actually sit and, and think about existential issues and sit and think about what do I what do I want to do with my life and then that affects even the way that we make art too because we make a living through doing it too yeah. and that's always hard to yeah. figure out how that all connects exactly and I mean for, for a long time for me uh, I, I definitely felt, felt a sense of uh, almost shame that I was I was making a living playing mm-hmm. music because I'm like it's such a privileged thing to do, and I mean I, I'm from a working class background. My parents like they they worked hard their entire lives, you mm-hmm. know, and and to be like the guy that's like so what do you do all day? I'm like no, you know if I'm not on tour, I sit around and I think about life, you know. That's kind of what you do, which is a weird uh, uh, aspect or prospect that I, I was I never thought that that was going to be possible. Mm-hmm. But then to backtrack, I mean, I think that a lot of the ideas that we talk about as a band, I mean, they're rooted in the idea of love. They're rooted in the idea of solidarity, equality. Mm-hmm. They're rooted in, in the fact that I see a world that's usually, uh, usually not equal. And I mean, yeah. where, where a few people are, are using and abusing a, a lot of people. And I see a world where, I mean, especially like country like America, where like, you know, if you get a toothache, you might end up on the street yeah. because that's the kind of reality of, of the economical situation. So a lot of the things that we talk about and a lot of things that I think about is like, how do we, how do we create a world where economy doesn't dictate the value of our lives? Mm-hmm. And how do we create a world where we can take care of each other to the extent that that and this huge divide that's happening right now is not happening. Like a lot of what goes on in the world with, with like the hating on each other or hating on the immigrants or hating on this and that. I mean, it is because people are not satisfied in their own lives and mm-hmm. they, they need someone to sort of uh, put the blame on. And um, I, I do believe that if we live in a world where, where people have meaningful lives and they are to a certain extent taken care of with like schools and hospitals mm-hmm. and well, we in Sweden we say the common good. Mm-hmm. I think that that type of world we would much better to live in. I think it would benefit art because mm-hmm. we talked about that. I mean, we make a living through art, which also sometimes I think it's a hindrance to to be truly creative because there are these expectations of what we're supposed to do, and mm-hmm. even if you create just from the idea that you need to create, there are still people that you depend on to be able to go on tour in this tour bus yeah. and, you know and, and it's a weird kind of situation I, I and I, I think that if we lived in a world where economy did not dictate our lives I think the art that we could create could be really interesting I mean mm-hmm. it is still but it's it's like if you don't have to worry about you know the paycheck of, at the end of every month I think uh, art in general could be way more more exciting yeah yeah. so you have a history of being very passionate about uh, causes whether it's anti-capitalism or veganism straight edge um yeah i'm curious as you've grown what you feel like you've learned about holding to and promoting what you believe to be the good while also trying to respect what other people believe to be the good yeah i mean that's that's a tricky thing and i think that when you're a young person you're so full of like piss and vinegar that Mm -hmm. you like 
I am right. You know, yeah. that's kind of like your assumption on the world. And you're like, I read this Chomsky book and now I'm right. And then as you grow older, the, the smarter you are, the more you learn that you don't really know what's going on. Yeah. And, and a lot of what we do is like, they're just core values or core yeah. ideas that you have. And, and you carry that with you and hopefully it can resonate with other people or, mm. or you, you can sort of meet, an, you know, meet people somewhere. But at the end of the day, it's like, these are ideas. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm a very ideas-driven person. But I also, I'm also smart enough to know that not everybody can get behind all my ideas. Not everybody sees them as reasonable and so on. And, and I think when you were a young person, I mean, it was, I was quite feisty. I took every fight there was to be taken. Mm-hmm. And then as you grow older, you kind of realize that there's a lot of fights that you don't need to get involved in because it won't really make that much of a difference. But then there are some things you really need to focus on and there are some ways of expressing yourself that can be really well creative and also maybe maybe more powerful. Mm. And I think I, that's something that I learned. And I mean, you know, to promote these ideas that I have. I mean, one of the things that I think a lot about is like people that come to our shows, they also have ideas. and. Mm-hmm. I'm just privileged that I get to get have a microphone. I get to speak about these ideas. But, you know, in general in life, I think it's an interesting to talk to people about what they believe in, how they perceive the world. And then maybe you'll meet or maybe you can change each other's mind a little bit or, you know, plant the seed of something different, you know. Yeah. Yeah. This is a question from one of the patrons. All uh, right. Max Glaser. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase this question a bit, but he was basically curious if you... Uh, would distinguish between some kind of pure capitalism and then what we see in the states as like a kind of crony capitalism or corporatism where the state is actually like helping yeah. these giant industrial yeah. things and not helping it's it's like a welfare state for yeah corporations yes which, which, um, yeah so do you do you see a big difference between some kind of pure capitalism and that i mean i know that that some people are like capitalist anarchists where they believe that 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 the state and government should not be involved in in like the market should sort itself out Mm -hmm. and anytime we've seen that uh without market interference it's way worse than than when actually when the government gets involved but i mean i worse in terms of inequality yeah inequality and like the the way you can sort of profit on other people Mm -hmm. and i think it's a huge problem And and i think it's i mean it's always sad to see that um the capital is always privatized, but the loss is always kind of like socialized. Like like if, if a corporation is about to go under, the government mm-hmm. has to step in yeah. and help them. And that's kind of our money, basically. And I think that's that's also a sad development. I mean, I see capitalism as a economical culture system that is. I see it as insanely flawed and it's not... It is not designed for humans. There's this idea of the trickle-down economy, yeah. and like if someone makes a lot of money, then we'll all make a little bit of money. But I, it's it clearly it's is not working because now the one percent owns, I can't exactly like eighty six percent of. I mean, it, it is insane. And someone told me, <clears throat> and, it, and it just keeps getting going more, more because yeah. the more of the means of industry that you own, the yeah. more money that you're going to make. And yeah, exactly the less power people have to do anything exactly. about it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean it's also it's a weird thing. Someone said if you if you if someone gives me a million dollars and you spend a thousand dollars a week, you'll be out of money in three years. Mm-hmm. If you get a billion dollars 
and you spend a thousand dollars a week, it takes you two hundred. 2,700 years to spend that money mm-hmm. just in reference to the billionaires and like how much money that is and how, yeah. how much wealth they accumulate and, and how much because I mean we live in a world where we could end famine everybody could have a job everybody could have a nice place to live but the accumulation of capitalists is what, what's happening with this 1% or, and, and capitalists and they're not sharing the resources and that, that's, just, that's just what it is yeah Nick Malara asked, "Do you see any good in capitalism?" No, I don't. <laughs> I mean, there there are aspects of what it is like when, you know, there there are certain aspects where when when capitalism come in and sort of underdeveloped countries. But I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of these underdeveloped countries just get used by capitalism. Yeah, and yeah maybe a little bit of a higher level of uh, people learn how to read or something like that but I mean it, no I don't really see it as anything good I see yeah. it as a, as a insanely flawed system and I mean systems they're constructed and I think one of the things that we, we people tend to think about capitalism that it's like oh this is kind of natural order this just happened but I mean systems are constructed by humans for very specific reasons and I mean it's the same thing with with morals or it's the same thing with rules and laws and regulation it is constructed usually by white men to control other people and and a capitalism is a prime example of like how that is constructed as well so and it's yeah i, th- I think that's a good point it, it's it's really hard to see outside of the system that yeah. you've yeah. been in your whole life it just seems yeah. like the way the world is exactly i mean just looking back at like you know, we were in Cologne the other night when they built the Cologne, like the dome in Cologne. I mean, everybody, everybody was just assumed that, yes, yes, you know, religion in that sense is real. And if we don't pay our taxes to, to the church, then you know, we're going to go to hell. I mean, the worldview of, uh, I mean, it's the same with capitalism. I mean, especially a country like America, where you've been bombarded for the last hundred years, the, the greatest country on earth, you know, free market enterprising is the greatest thing. And, you know you don't see an outside and 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 the idea that an a different economical or old cultural social system mm-hmm. could exist is is so infatible you like i can't even oh, yeah. perceive how that happens i mean in europe that concept is a bit easier to understand because up until like 30 years ago we had the east and the west we had like capitalism and and then we had i wouldn't say communism but the, the other at least yeah. you know and so, I mean, I grew up with the idea that we there was distinctive, like, economical realities. But since the wall came down, I mean, capitalism is everything and everywhere. And, and it's really hard to perceive an outside, and it's really hard to perceive, like, um, an alternative. And, and a huge problem for me has been, since the wall came down, the left, the left response to capitalism has been very reactive it's just been like oh, capitalism does this and then that they're like oh we'll try to you know make the unions a little bit stronger instead of coming up with an idea that's like here's an alternative to capitalism well, would the, would you put scandinavian governments in that category like yeah. where it's there's a large social kind of net but it's still yeah. kind of i mean it is it's capital- a, yeah, yeah it's a capitalist country and um I mean, we had like a social democratic government for most of the 1900s. So, the the capital growth in the, from the 60s up until the 80s was pretty huge. I mean, it's the same in America from the 50s until the 70s. Like mm-hmm. the, the the growth of of um, living standard was pretty amazing, actually. And it was the same in Sweden. And we had all these uh, social like security networks and and most of the things that worked really well in Sweden, like 
railroads and, and telecommunication and electricity and hospitals schools were all run by the state mm-hmm. and working really well. And then from the mid-90s up until now, there's this been surge of privatization. Uh, yeah. Railroads are not working really, really well. The telecommunication, I mean, there's, and everything kind of just falls apart, but this is a neoliberal idea that, you know, competition is good for the consumers, but it, the only people that actually benefit from it is, are the people, you know, having the, making the money from this. And it's been, the, the last thing they privatized was the pharmacies, because they used to be run by the state as well, they, they privatized the pharmacies. And really? It's a complete mess. Hmm. So Sweden is very much a country that is looking towards America, I mean, the, the whole neoliberal kind of economical agenda, and then trying to adapt to that. I mean, also adapt to a really harsh economic reality of what the world looks like. And, and Sweden really, like used to be kind of a social democratic leftist leaning country i mean it's not at all anymore i mean the the people in power are very much centrist to the right so it's it's a different situation i mean and it's weird to grow up and when i was a young kid like there was was tv shows for kids where they talked about solidarity they talked about equality they talked about Mm -hmm. like these core values that i i've have had been with me for my entire life and i mean sweden in the 60s, 70s, the 80s, we uh, immigrants from all over the world came to Sweden because we were like, when you're in need, come to us, we'll take care of you. And that really changed in the last couple of years. And it's a scary development to see how we, uh, as, a, as a very progressive country, is also like closing off the borders and, you know, close, you know, there's this huge divide in Sweden, right? Like America, like half mm-hmm. the population are really going for the extreme right wing populist, and the other half is trying to make sense of the mess that's going on interesting yeah i didn't realize it had continued shifting yeah. that far yeah so you have described yourself i don't know if you would still say this i assume so but as a, a socialist anarchist uh would you still say that's true i mean i think it's it's one of those things that i'm quite flexible with that because i, I believe that uh, there are certain issues where i'm like oh, i'm way more left on that issue and there's certain issues so I'm I'm a bit more pragmatic these days than I, when I was young because uh-huh. then we were like oh this is my as you know like this is the idea but I mean I am a socialist basically like mm-hmm. you know I believe in the equal distribution and that we should have equal possibilities and equal rights you know no matter what mm-hmm. I, I that's kind of my my core core value yeah. and then you know certain issues I'm more of an anarchist and certain issues I'm not you know I mean I think a lot of people hear anarchists and they have zero conception that that's been like a long like philosophical tradition that yeah. is actually like a robust yeah thought out thing yeah. i think a lot of people hear it and just like oh that's just some it's just chaos thing, yeah. chaos yeah. um for socialists there's some who lean more towards this idea that we can kind of self-govern a lot yeah. of things and then some would lean towards more of a, a statist kind of yeah uh, the government's got to regulate stuff and like this and yeah. I, i've been i've been researching some of this stuff lately and i i don't know the the anarcho side of that seems like really compelling and also quite dif- difficult. difficult to like <laughs> yeah, yeah, ever yeah. realize. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I agree. And I, I mean, after traveling the world for the, the past like 30 years and playing the anarcho squats, you know, <laughs> it, it is, I mean, I think that idea is very compelling in smaller communities. It's maybe it's hard to see it working in a country or, you know, like a mm-hmm. nation state or stuff like that. But yeah, there are compelling ideas to that. And I mean, with, with the world the way it looks now, I mean, there there are definitely ways where people's voices can be heard in a different 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 way than it used to be. 
So, I mean, that, but that's the thing, too. I think that a lot of these ideas are utopias. Mm-hmm. And utopias is like the search for utopia, I think, is kind of a, a key of, of uh, like to, to map out the direction in your life and where you want to end up. Yeah, even, mean, if you, even if you can't exactly, get there. Even yeah. if you can't get there. And I think that's the thing, too, with, with a lot of what we do with Refuse. This like when I go on stage or when we write uh, lyrics, I, I really turn it up to 11. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the way I talk in between the songs, I mean, it's not really how I talk when, when you know, when I'm just mm-hmm. hanging out. But there's a sense of like dial it up to 11 and we'll have everything end up at five, which is better than <laughs> where we are right now. And yeah. I think that's, for me, that always felt like that that would be the, the meaning of art in a way. Because, I mean, people ask me from time to time, like, oh, you never thought about becoming a politician? And I'm like, no, I... I like the idea that art can exaggerate. I like the idea that in art we can look sort of like you go above and beyond. And it makes sense because it's art. But if, if you would have that attitude as, as a journalist or a politician, people are like, you're just a crazy person. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't mind being a crazy person and sort of push the envelope. And then someone else can come in and be like, okay, you know, maybe this is the idea. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, yeah, that seems more reasonable. I mean, we always, I mean, they would talk a lot about the, without Malcolm X, Martin Luther King wouldn't be someone that people looked at. Mm-hmm. And I think Martin Luther King like had that, like everybody's like, okay, well, except this guy, because that guy over there, he's mental, you know? <laughs> and, and I think we, we don't mind being that band. We don't mind being that band that kind of like takes it a little bit too far and pulls it up a little bit, you know, extra just to make people maybe shake up things a little bit and then you can end up somewhere, you know? Yeah, and then, I mean, you're also, you know, like right now, you're free to articulate like, more nuanced ideas around those things of course yeah that's interesting um i've never really i don't think i've ever thought about art in that sense i was going to ask you about that actually because i was reading in another interview you did but that idea of just pushing all the way over here in order to like move the needle a bit in that direction Um, but but i think that's uh that's like uh i think that's a beautiful thing about art that that you can do that you can sort of you can be a bit unreasonable mm-hmm. you can be a bit like out of out of control in a way and I, and I think that's a beautiful thing because as you said i mean if if you're writing a song or or you're on stage i mean you have a certain amount of space that you have to sort of come up with these you know to 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 get these ideas ideas across and then you have to have the punchy chorus to sort of you know mm-hmm. people can sing along to and then so there's like 16 lines of, of words that you can fit into this this very complex ideas and the same thing when i mean i don't want to be on stage and be like on one hand but on the other hand <laughs> but then on one hand you know like that that's not a you know no, that's yeah. not a good good bit you know so on the stage you, you kind of take on this persona and, and kind of just push it and mm-hmm. with the music we try to push it we really especially with this latest record we really said i mean we actually set out like we really want to push this we want to be in your face and we kind of want people to be a bit bummed out about some of the stuff that we're singing about and some of the topics that we're dealing with it seems with. like it's pushing too hard exactly mm-hmm. and i always believed i mean coming from punk rock and hardcore i think good art should sort of upset a little mm. bit good art should feel disturb or, yeah disturb yeah. and there should be a sense of resistance in it and i i think that that's something that i always had with me that this idea that you know you you need to make it feel you know that there's you know yeah
Hey everyone, I wanted to let you know that you can become an active participant in the crafting of the content of the show by supporting us on Patreon. Becoming a patron will give you access at different tiers to a variety of rewards, including additional patron-only episodes, the ability to submit questions for our guests and to interact online with me and other patrons, and could even mean an appearance on an episode to ask me your own questions. And by joining by the end of the year, you'll automatically become a member of the Flint and Steel Founders Club and will receive an exclusive enamel pin as well as more rewards in the future. If you're digging this podcast and want to join me and others like you in our pursuit of the good, the true, and the beautiful, then joining us on patreon is the best way to do it sign up today at patreon.com forward slash carry the fire pod all right let's get back to the show and you are a very compelling front man uh who do you like who's been inspirational to you in in that sense um one of our patrons asked neil uh, England was asking uh, what made you want to start dancing on stage and so I'm just, uh, both those things together just what you you talk about like this sort of persona that you step into uh-huh. there, like what what what's been inspirational for you in that sense first of all I think I mean when I discovered punk rock, punk rock and hardcore I mean I was a young kid and I was really like into that idea and I looked at all the photos from minor threat and youth of the day mm-hmm. and all that stuff I'm like oh that seems cool and I remember early on when I started when I started singing or when I started performing trying to be tough didn't mm-hmm. really work for me because yeah. I'm not a very tough person you know I'm like so I was like that's that's a bit you know that's a bit weird for me and but then already from like the first show I really played I had this idea that just go for it like the first show I played well not the first show I played but my first like hardcore band when I was just singing yeah. we were called Step Forward and and so this is like 1989. No one in our city likes hardcore. I mm-hmm. mean, there's like four people that like the Sex Pistols and a couple people that likes the Cure. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, and we come out and we play like really fast, minor threat, like kind of hardcore. Yeah. And we knew already, like from the get go, we're like, people are not gonna, you know, be into this. Yeah. So let's make it a spectacle. And I was jumping around. We're kicking and screaming someone broke a guitar and our drummer took a cymbal stand and he threw it in the fuse box so the whole place went dark <laughs> and people talked about that show for weeks and we're like I think we're on to something here and and, and that, that kind of like that stuck with me as far as a performer but then in the mid 90s when, when we were touring with Refused and I had this as I said I didn't feel comfortable being like tough Yeah. and uh, I got really into like James Brown mm-hmm. Yeah, Mick I've... Jagger, and that's kind of where it started. And I, I started looking at them. And I mean, also, I have to. I saw Iggy early on. I saw Iggy in 1990. We went down to Stockholm to see the Ramones play. Mm-hmm. And I knew of Iggy. I didn't really listen to Iggy, but the Ramones played. We thought it was great. Iggy came on, and it was one of those moments where you're like, oh, that's how you can do it. Because yeah. he was just dancing, and, and just like it was a completely different thing. So I think that that show with Iggy for me was like an eye opener as to like you didn't need to be tough. You could sort of just I mean, he was so, so amazing. I feel like a lot of the resistance to that is maybe out of like uh, cultural demands for like certain gender roles yeah, like you're, yeah. you're you're not allowed to like get dancey and yeah, fe- yeah. and feel the music yeah. as a guy or something yeah, yeah, yeah. like and and I think that so when when I when I hit that and I was like oh this is interesting but but I, and I also had a sense that I remember cuz I mean in the in the mid 90s refuse we looked kind of crusty we had like this this weird period where we looked like crust punks mm-hmm. and I was really into like I was super political but then I remember like I was at a show 
I was at a show in Sweden, and this guy was passing up political flyers, and it was a big guy, and he had a mohawk, and he had like a wife beater shirt on, and like like, and and I could see people didn't want to take these flyers, yeah. and I'm like, oh, that's, and I was like, wait, wait a step, is that how people see us when we're on mm. stage? So the next day, I bought a, like a pair of like pants and like button down shirt, mm-hmm. and then I started talking, and I could tell people reacted differently to me just looking differently and then that mm. came with like that's kind of the same time where i discovered james brown and like the stones and so that all and i was like wow that this contrast of this very violent uh, aggressive music and me just being very effeminate and mm-hmm. it's like kind of dancing around on stage and uh, then that just became my language and the, yeah. the way i move my body and the way i move on stage it is very yeah it's not very typical hardcore and I think, I mean, I think it set you guys apart in a yeah. in a very powerful way. Yeah. And even, you know, some of the, some of aesthetically and also just the influences you guys started bringing in yeah. with jazz stuff, just all, that's, it was just, all of it opened up, uh, I think, a lot of people on what you could actually do with, with music. music. Yeah. Yeah. And especially yeah. even having music. Yeah. That's true. But I mean, I would say you, you as a frontman, you're very much like a, a strong but sensitive man. Am I reading that right? Uh, as a front man? As a front I feel man. like I have like no presence as a front man. I just, all I try to do is sing and play and be open to the moment. Yeah. And but I think your persona, because I see people in the crowd mm. responding to you and responding to your lyrics. And it is this idea that I think it's, it's an interesting idea because like it, it is also the contrast of someone that's quite manly also being quite vulnerable. Mm, okay. I can and see I, that. I, I can see a lot of, I'm not, pe- I'm not up there being macho. No, I'm, no, not at all. Not I'm that's, a big, but, but, but big just, dude and... yeah, but the, the <laughs> way you present yourself, the way you look and I think, cause I, and I see it resonates with a lot of dudes mm. cause you got a lot of dudes at your show really into the idea that you are vulnerable and you, mm-hmm. you have like you know there's a certain poetry in it but you're also you look quite manly <laughs> I mean if you compare it to me you know <laughs> well, that's good I, I like I like that I like that contrast um, like I, I I've gone through like a long period of trying to just get out of like my head about, in any kind uh, of performance sense of like I, I'm having the most fun when I'm not thinking about yeah. anything except like being in that moment you know that's, so. I mean that that's what I, I talked about earlier like yeah. being in that moment and then let but I mean for me being in that moment is a lot about movement a lot yeah. about like just being lost in your body mm-hmm. and dancing and just and I mean it, it is interesting because this tour we're playing a, a lot of new songs and it takes you a while to figure to out feel how, the to, new, move, how yeah. to move to the new song so oh, yeah. every night I'm like wait is this no that's not right for this song and then once and you can't really it, do it at practice like no, you, no. I mean, you could try but it doesn't no it doesn't it resonate at yeah. all no so it's been an interesting tour because we play all these new songs and then we shift and we play another new song we never played before and for me you need to find that movement and and how it is and then you know there's some songs you played forever and you just know Mm -hmm. your body is just in the music and you don't have to think about it which i think that's my too my thing too that i don't want to have to think about what i'm doing on stage it just happens organically i mean i got some moves that can always bust out but the best days are the days where I don't have to worry about how I'm moving. Yeah. I'm just moving. It's just like, it's just a flow on stage. And you know this too, like 
you look at the set list and the next time you look at the set list you're like oh it's the last song yeah what happened and i mean i have i have a lot of moments there's where also get, the opposite days and those they're, are the they're the opposite days you're when you're, like, oh, you're just working in? through it and you're like you're thinking about oh is there gonna be pizza backstage i don't <laughs> You know, like your mind is not yeah, present totally. and, and you just have to work through it. But I mean, I've seen footage of myself not remembering me doing that yeah, yeah. on stage. I'm like, oh, wow, that's wild. Out you know, so that that's something that I strive for. But I mean, for me, the approach is very different. And I mean, I actually like I, I actually try to think about like different ways of moving. And then when I see someone on stage, I'm like, oh, that's a cool little trick. Mm-hmm. And then I try to add that to my, you know, to my movements. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this a lot as I, especially looking out, seeing a bunch of people moving together. Like a lot of anthropologists think that like music came before language even and that we've like lost something powerful. Like in, like if you study people who are in any kind of context, whether it's like they're singing like at church together or they're at a show or whatever, there's, there's some power in like moving and singing together yes and it it you know changes your brain chemistry in that moment it's like it's yeah. there's something really cool there and it's something to celebrate i think and also like it's it's a tool to make a better world i think like in, I, I think if so you're able to engage people in that place where they are more open and they are becoming one yeah thing together i don't know there's something really no powerful. i i, I told i mean I, and i think that's part of the reason I fell in love with hardcore music and punk music because that that communal aspect where you just you kind of lose it Mm -hmm. for a little bit like it's allowed like here we can lose it we can just go for it and the communal aspect of like I mean even for us a a show like tonight or yesterday or whatever it's the the sense that I don't expect people to leave the show thinking like I'm gonna go burn down the bank you know but if we for a for an hour or two can have this sense of connection to each other and and have this sense of like we open up our minds and our hearts and and we don't have to think about the outside world that's also kind of nice it's like a, a nice contrast to everything that goes on and i think that having this space to be our space it, it's a quite quite a beautiful thing because music is such a it is such a powerful thing and i mean there is a reason why we we keep coming back to it and there's a reason why there's a song for every state of mind there's yeah. there's music and i always have to remind myself of that because i think it's easy to start feeling like what you're doing doesn't really yeah. matter i get yeah I, I, I totally i totally agree but because what we're doing is i mean we're passing through everybody else's lives and i'm we're tourists in munich we're tourists in milan you know but for people there at the show, it, it means something that mm-hmm. we're there. And I mean, yeah, you have to remind yourself you get spoiled because you've done it for a long time and you're like, you're doing yeah. it every night. Yeah, you, yeah, you're doing it every night. But I mean, every night there's people, they're super excited about us being there. Yeah. There are people come up to you after the show and like, oh, you changed my life. You know, like, and, and it's a weird thing because uh, it's such an abstract thing to be able to do. Yeah. And, and especially when you're very disconnected from these people, I mean, but then you find that connection for that hour where you're in that room together and you share that energy. And I mean, you know, also, well, like some nights when you play, that energy is what, what brings you home. Mm. And some night when that energy is not in the room, it's, it's hard work, you yeah. know, it's hard work. So, 
But I have a theory. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I have a theory about music for me, because I'm not a religious person mm -hmm. at all. I have this idea that the, the conceptualization of God is what we refer to as the soul. Mm -hmm. And I think they are the same. I don't think that God exists, but I think there's something in us that that's we can't really explain what it is, yeah. like the consciousness. And, and I do believe that when you're in the middle of music and, and the beats and everything that happens, that's when you're as close as God as you'll ever be. That's how I feel. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel that, as I talked about earlier, that, that transcendental energy, and it just, it just transcends time and space. And when you're in the middle of it, it just there's an outerworldly sort of experience. That I that I find very compelling, and that I find that that I look for in music, not in my own music, but uh, not only my own music, but mm -hmm. all types of music. What for you? Well, I guess let's maybe go. Did you grow up religious at all? No, no, okay. no, not at all. Very secular. I mean, Sweden is a very secular country. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents never talked about religion or politics or anything at home and i don't think my, my i think my granddad might have gone to church once in a while but yeah not not religious home at all and did you think about the concept of god as a kid yeah oh, okay. yeah and i think yeah i think everybody does because it's such a it is very present and it's a very present not only in like everyday life but it, it's present in the moral codes and, and mm -hmm. the rules yeah. and regulations of our world you know religion is something that sort of uh uh, I mean, it's very omnipresent. Yeah. You know, it is. And so you think about, I mean, I think about religion a lot mm -hmm. still, like like religion uh, as an idea, as a concept, and as a means of control. And I mean, yeah. everything, it takes up a lot of my time when I think about, you know, as I said, like the existential issues. Um, it, it is something that I think a lot about. I read a lot about religion, you know. What... So I've seen you say you're not religious, but you wouldn't, uh, at this point, call yourself an atheist either as, like, that's kind of an ideological, like, well, maybe overstatement? Well, how, how would you? Well, I, I think it's one of the things that I feel atheism, it's interesting because a lot of people has taken atheism as in, like, almost a, a, a dogma. Yes. Like, this is how we feel and that that's it. And I've read most of... Dawkins and all those mm -hmm. like atheist authors, but I found it very. I think my biggest problem was it wasn't interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't exciting. Yeah. And I was like, you know, if if you want to break down everything that makes this world magical into like physics or biology, it's super boring. Mm -hmm. I remember reading, you know, I remember reading one of uh, one of the theory of God or whatever that was, and I'm like. If it's this boring to be an atheist, then that's not that's not very <laughs> exciting, you know. Because I still I still believe. I mean, there are definitely things that we can't explain. Mm -hmm. There are definitely things that happen in the world that you can't really logically wrap your head around. Well, and the more we learn scientifically, the weirder the world actually looks. I, exactly. Too, you know? So so I'm like I'm like this this obsession with like trying to explain everything to a, a fault. I'm not really into that. Well, and that and that does cut. It cuts both ways in, and I think a lot of the new atheism is just as much an ideology as, as, as certain yeah. religious viewpoints because it seeks to explain absolutely everything within yeah. a certain kind of small framework. Like you don't have thoughts about some sort of God like different than would be kind of like the standard kind of, uh, I don't know 
characterized or caricaturized like Christian yeah. God or something like just some sort of creative force or anything or do you think it's just like I, I do I do think that it's kind of an accident okay. in a weird way yeah. but but that being said I mean I have a being like the Marxist socialist that mm-hmm. I am I'm quite jealous sometimes of, of religion because mm-hmm. it, it is uh, it's a very comforting concept and uh, there's something uh, there's something kind of cold and bleak about <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. this is kind of an accident all morals are made up it doesn't really have much meaning apart from living life and then that's it it's it is kind of a bleak view of the world but at the same time you're here trying to make it beautiful oh, trying yeah, yeah. to do good and like I, there's to- totally i think there's something fascinating about that and that kind of gets at your music thing too of that something in us is doing wants to do that yeah, yeah. and and what that impulse relates to or what it is is yeah. is, is a bit mysterious but it's, it is but i mean i think that i i do believe in this idea that we're all created equal mm-hmm. i mean in, in a sense you know and I, I think that's a beautiful sentiment i think that you want to make the world a beautiful place. You want to make, you know, uh, your art and poetry and everything, music, that you want it to be beautiful in a sense. I mean, even though it can get quite violent and, mm-hmm. and aggressive. And um, I read a lot of occultism, I, a lot of esoteric stuff, because I find... Oh, yeah, I saw that you referenced uh, some astrology stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know how, how serious you were being about it, because it rubbed... Yeah. against some of the other stuff but, is but, that... but I mean I think that's a thing too I think that also like like as a human being in this world I mean you have to find your meaning mm-hmm. into what you kind of like what you want to bring on your journey mm-hmm. and I believe it's it's I'm not a one dimensional character I, 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 I think there's a lot of stuff that I don't understand there's a lot of stuff that makes me interesting there's a lot of stuff that might appeal to me on a purely aesthetic level mm. like a lot of the occult kind of esoteric ideas I'm like oh that's really awesome but on a very very like almost like I like looking at it you mm-hmm. know and then when I start thinking about it, yeah that makes no sense yeah. at all but then there, there's there's some something things. moves you and yeah something yeah. moves me and I, I and I also think it's because you know a long time ago I decided to live my life very differently from most people and you know and that I, I think that includes my approach to religion and mm-hmm. to everything and I mean I like to have an open mind, there, and there's nothing I like more than than talking about religion with mm-hmm. religious people if they are open minded. Because yeah. you also know that religious people sometimes they have a tendency to sort of like gaze off in the distance and be like, according to you know mm-hmm. the Bhagavad Gita or the Bible or whatever, and then that's not really a conversation. Yeah. But I love to talk about the idea of faith. I love to talk about the idea of like i mean why do we believe in the things that we believe in and mm. what is faith as a as a, as a i mean it's a country i mean i believe in things too you know yeah and how did we end up believing in these different things and i, I think it's a hugely important mm-hmm. and uh, interesting conversation the more kind of negative uh i don't know reflections on religious traditions in your music would you say most of that is uh directed towards the way that religion can make people not stand up at, for the oppressed or for themselves yes of course i mean i it, it is it's a lot about the institutionalization of, uh, of beliefs or you know like the control that 
uh, church or religion has on people and it's like kind of the fear that it instills but then you have like uh, in, in southern America where, yeah, yeah. where Catholic priests are revolutionaries and they hide refugees I yeah, mean liberation even in, theology stuff yeah. exactly and I mean even in, even in Sweden like the Swedish church does a lot of good with with uh, homeless shelters and so on and so forth so, I mean there are all these things that I mean it's not one dimensional either I mean, my girlfriend uh, is a social worker, and she works at a. Uh, it's like a slash a homeless shelter, but it also is like like a day activity for outcasts, basically. Mm -hmm. And it's run by the Swedish Church, mm. and it's it's a fantastic operation. So I mean, there are all these different aspects of that yeah. too. You know, like like how do you how do you define that and quantify that? But I mean, as far as like I mean, especially what we see in the world right now where there's like almost a religious war going on even though we don't want that most people are just i mean even most religious people are just like i just kind of want to live my life you know i just want to do good by by me and my family and my yeah. my people and we're getting forced into this uh, uh almost like a religious war it's kind of quite scary you know i think there's a movement of a lot of rel or people who come up in religious traditions that have kind of deconstructed and are reconstructing and like reappropriating yeah. those signs and symbols and the things that they believe in ways that are disconnected from those power structures that were yeah. there before and are actually bringing life to them and bringing life to people around them which is um it's interesting to watch that happening yeah. at the same time as a lot of it seems to get, be getting more and more stuck yeah. in those in those systemic ways of looking at things yeah 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 what i mean it, it is interesting like a lot of uh i mean a lot of feminism a lot of feminist theory kind of like embraces the whole wiccan and witch thing mm -hmm. because it's a, it's a, a non-male uh constructed yeah. id and they i mean i know my girlfriend does a lot of that stuff because it's like empowering to to be part of a of a of a tradition that women sort of constructed so i mean and when everything else yeah. around them is is something that exactly has been yeah, so i mean there, there are interesting aspects of that but i also think it's an interesting aspect because your view of the world is is also like you know how do you view your life the value of your life mm -hmm. how do you view your death you know like and, and it is interesting because you need some somehow an ideology towards that as well your own mortality and mm -hmm. i think that's religion a lot of people find it comforting because it this is not the end you know mm -hmm. but if this is the end then how do you approach you know i my remaining four years of living or whatever that is you know like it, it is it, it makes for interesting things and i think that one of the things that religion uh has tried to tell us that without these sort of uh regulations around you know uh moral and then the world would be in chaos and no one would believe anything but i mean w one of the things we've seen to a very large extent is the horrible thing that that does happen happens in the name of religion so when you have god on your side you can do no wrong but i don't have god on my side so i am uh responsible for my actions in a very different way i think that that's true i think i think that's a big out for a lot of people yes is yeah um you know the ends justify the, the means in a sense and i think that's a huge thing in the states right now where yeah because of like one or two issues there's half the country is willing to look away from a bunch of awful things happening yeah. because they've decided that whatever happens with these issues anything is okay to, to pay the price for that yeah um 
So it is a big ad, and I think that religion is very. That, I mean, it's very problematic. But we the same, I, I would say the same thing can happen with. I mean, I think you saw that happen in you know the Soviet Union and China, yeah. like oh, yeah, where where they it becomes the, the state. Bec yeah. yeah, but the state becomes religion. Religion at that yeah, point. Yeah. yeah, that's of course true. But you are religious. Uh, I am, and I'm one of those who has deconstructed and yeah. reconstructed a lot. That's of that, very so. interesting for me. That, that uh, is very very interesting. All right, well, we can talk about that further later. I'd be, I'd be very down. You've been uh, generously segueing into a bunch of my questions. That's good. <laughs> I was going to ask, what, what ways besides music do you experience or seek out beauty in your life, or even you know, what forms of art besides music are most resonate with you? Uh, I mean, I, I read a lot. Mm -hmm. Love the word. Like, the, mm -hmm. the written word is big for me. Uh uh, because I, I mean, I'm a lyricist. Do you like it. poetry? Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not as well or versed in poetry mm -hmm. as I would like to be, but I like it. I like the idea of it. Uh, I mean, I like art too, but I'm mostly like when I'm into art, it's mostly like, you know, surrealism or a, a, like weird, mm -hmm. you know, deconstructive art movements okay. and stuff like that. But one of the things I think a lot about is trying to find beauty in relationships to other people. Mm. And uh, like, how do you, you know, like, how do you treat your friends and how yeah. do you treat your partners? And that's something that, that I think is really important in, in your day to day. Like, as you know, they, they say like, live your private life. Like you, you pretend to be in, in, you know, in public. Mm. And I think that's an important thing too. But I mean, I'm, I'm one of those guys that like, I watch a lot of movies. I'm very, I mean, into art as, as an idea and a concept. Mm -hmm. and, really like immerse myself in impressions from all over the world and you know i don't know if you've heard of um the paradox of uh tolerance Karl popper talked about it. in order to maintain its tolerant society society must be intolerant of intolerance yes uh, what do you think about that i think it's correct and i think it's uh it's a thing that we're right now like i mean if you look at america i mean when when you're a president saying there's good people on both sides yeah. you're like no no that's not that's we actually had a war about this issue yeah. and i i believe to a certain extent that is that is true i mean i i'm a socialist but i'm also a democrat i'm mm -hmm. a, uh, or i mean i mean i'm into the idea of democracy yes. i'm into the idea that we should govern each other like you know and then when movements come come and they're very undemocratic and their whole agenda is to 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 kind of seize power and, and and control people yeah i think it's our duty to to fight back against stuff like that i think it's our duty to i mean certain voices might have to be silenced for everybody else's voices to be heard and uh, i mean in germany it's like it's against the law to be a nazi they, yeah i mean it's that's just what it is like if you go out on the city square and say hi you go to jail that's just and i think that's Sometimes you need that to have an open society where where everybody can live and breathe, and then sometimes you need to have these exceptions where like that's not okay. Like if we want to have this world, yeah. I, there's been a lot of talk comparing you know, Germany both back uh, yeah. when it was fascist to America today, and also the way they seem to, uh, as a, a culture, really faced their past yes. in a way that America is absolutely not, unwilling no. to do. Yeah. Um, and the difference it would make, like say in the South where a lot of stuff's been happening, yeah. uh, you know, whether it's like Confederate flag stuff and people are unwilling to take seriously the absolute horror of that past. Yeah. I think because it's, it's really hard to come to 
grips with yeah. and a lot of it's old like even older than yeah even you know, like, the stuff that was yeah. happening in, in in germany and i don't know but it's it, it, I, f I feel like there's something to learn from looking at at germany's example in that and being like you've got to you got to come to grips with it and then try to find a new way forward i think so too and i think it's like uh I think for a long time Germany had a hard time too with with the past because it was so fresh. But I mm. mean, the the more they sort of like, yeah, this is a part of our history. This is a part of our our you know, you know, like our but, culture basically. Yeah. I and mean, then, maybe uh, maybe America's in the the beginnings of figuring that out. I yeah, don't know. Ho hopefully. I mean, which you know, well, first of all, Europe has been always changing. Mm. I mean, from from the way it looked like a hundred years ago, like none of those countries are still there. You know, like yeah. it, it always changes. And I mean, you had economical systems or, or leftist government go to right wing government. Like, I mean, the wall came down 30 years ago. So in Europe, there's always been this flux of ideas and everything. Politics always change. America is based on a utopian idea. America is based on the idea that this is the greatest country on the earth yeah. and, you know, like the, the liberty and pursuit of freedom, you know, like all these, these ideas that America have, which such a huge part, part of American culture that the individual is always more important than, than the collective, Yes, which is very problematic when you tell someone like, well, we should have universal health care. It's good for you. And they're like, no, I want to make that choice, yes. even if it kills me, you know? And, and I think that's going to be, because I think that's the huge issue with a country like America. It's such a hard time seeing structures because you're you're always you are the responsible party. Yeah, and, we yeah. really don't. Yeah, it's hard for Americans to understand systemic problems. Exactly, and I think, but but because it is based on a utopian idea, and I mean, if people talk about the problems with America, it's always like. Oh, it's corrupt politician, or it's a corrupt com company, or it's greed, and then you know maybe it's a, a systematic failure, and um, the idea of, of personal freedom is so like uh, ingrained in people's mind that it's really hard for them to see. Also, I mean, even people in the South to see that they are a part of of a, a systematic sort of construct that leads back to slavery and so on and so forth and even back to the genocide of, against the Indians and so on. Yeah. And and it it is problematic but but in in Europe we are more willing uh, to take on a collective guilt or a collective idea. So I mean that that's definitely you know something that I I mean same thing too when we come to america and we play people always ask me like what's the biggest difference between europe mm. and america and i'm america i have to explain all my politics mm. i have to say oh, this is what this means and then yeah, people yeah. like oh okay and in europe you say it and people are like yeah we know what you're talking about yeah. might not agree with you but mm -hmm. we know you know the, yeah the that's, gist of that's it. An, there is there's that another barrier there where yeah. especially with capitalism it's it's yeah. so ingrained that for you to imagine a different way that yeah. might be like could be better for people yeah. is heresy you know yeah, really yeah. against yeah. you know i would say the the real religion of, uh, of america yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah and that focus on on this certain kind of freedom kind of brings yeah. us back to where we started this yeah. idea of like <laughs> is that the best way to define freedom like uh or is there a way to define freedom and liberation as something that is wrapped up with the freedom of your fellow man and uh, is not just freedom from a certain kind of oppression, but freedom like to and for something else uh, entirely like that's 
it's just not just a negative uh, definition no. of freedom. Yeah. Like we we're not oppressed. It's like, yeah. okay, but people around you are by the same system that's not oppressing you. So yeah. that should concern you, right? Like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, that whole idea of like if no one's free. Or if if everyone's not free, then no one's free. Exactly, like, which is uh, something that I, I genuinely believe in. I think yeah. that I think a lot of people. I've been saying that live a couple of nights. Like if if you if you look at this world and you think it's fine, you are really privileged, yes. and you are in a position where like, well, it's not that bad. I mean, which is the thing about America too. It's like uh, I mean, I would say anywhere in developed countries, but if you are rich and you have the money. It's pretty awesome, <laughs> you know. I mean, America, like you have everything, but just more of it. So if you are rich and like, oh, this is great. Why are we complaining, you know? But the reason why I'm strong enough to to talk about this every night is because I am strong, and I, that means I can help people that are less fortunate. I mean, it's something that I learned when I was a young kid. Like you help if someone falls, you pick them up. If mm -hmm. someone is hurt, you take care of them. You tend to them, and because uh, you are a part of a bigger collective, you are part of a bigger thing than yourself. And I mean. Even even my privilege as a man, like I'm willing to give that up because I want to live in an equal world. Mm -hmm. And I think it's an important thing to understand that a lot of the ideas that we as a band talk about, they wouldn't necessarily benefit my life, mm -hmm. but they would benefit more people's yeah. lives than right now. And I mean, uh, if we would have just shut up about this whole capitalism thing, I mean, we could have made way more money. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> playing bands and you know playing music and and you know being more successful, but it's it's it is not about my life. My life is the privilege to have this platform and the, the privilege to understand uh, these structures and to see that I with music can do maybe something about it, you know. And then to see people that are less fortunate than you and and try to see what we can do to help each other. And I think that freedom is the idea that we we live in a world where we are on the level. Uh, where we level the playing field, you know, that we should have the same opportunities and the same chances in life. I mean, yeah. we're not all going to be the same because we are not the same. Yeah. You know, some people be doctors and some people be car mechanics and some people be musicians. But at least when we start out, we should be able to start out from the same starting point, you know, it, regardless of of, uh, of your gender or, or your sexuality or your ethnicity or yeah. anything. And, and I that think go, that, well, that, yeah, it goes back to the systemic or people not being able to see the systemic issues. And yeah. so most Americans think that that's exactly what America is, is yeah. a level playing field, yeah, which is yeah. not, but I mean, that's, that's the whole idea about the American dream as well. There's always like that person that worked their way up on top and you can say, look, I worked from, you know, I started in the mail room, you know, and I'm the CEO and that, it does happen once in a while, but it's like, uh, you know, one out of a million. And most yeah. people, they work in the mailroom their entire lives. And there's people who worked harder than that guy and probably had better ideas and they just didn't catch yeah. the break. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's true too. I mean, most people do work harder than that guy <laughs> in the end. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for well, taking the time. Yeah, it was great. Awesome. If you have a moment today, it would help a ton if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Uh, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CarryTheFirePod. I want to thank my producer, Andy Lara, and all of our executive producers, Adam Collins, Andrew Diaz, Brianna Webb, Brian Weisbecker, Colin Hawthorne, Denise Sugita, David Cobb, Drew Para, Eric Gonzalez, Gary Jelke, Jeremy Robinson, Jess Card, 
John Buchan, John Diego, John Engel, Jonathan Clark, Jordan Goodman, Jordan Everly, Joshua Malara, Kyle Starr, Luis Enriquez, Mark Francis, Marco Padilla, Mark Weiss, Matt Fuchs, Matthew Alcon, Max Glazer, Michael Maitland, Nathaniel Bailey, Paul Pratt, Ron Alberca, Samantha Simmons, Sean Weidmeyer, Stephen Saucer, Susanna Coleman, Tiffany Payne, Timothy Duin, and William Galdemez. And last but not least, sign up for email updates about upcoming guests and special show information at www.carrythefirepod.com. Thank you all so much for carrying the fire with me, and I'll see you next time.